people welcome to black girls talk true crime where we discuss true crime movies and the people places and events they were based on i'm carol your resident true crime loving black girl and i'm here with my sister alex say hi alex hi alex welcome everybody to our inaugural episode we're going to be discussing the movie an american crime starring ellen page it was a bit of a rough one i want to tell you briefly why i decided to choose this movie and in a word i don't know (laughs) i saw this movie a few years ago it was one of those movies i never even knew existed and it was on and i kind of caught it somewhere in the middle and this was kind of like deep into you know I would say Sylvia's kind of harrowing experience and it was something I just could not turn away from and ever since then like this story of Sylvia Likens and everything that happened to her was kind of something that I found so fascinating like the psychology of you know everyone involved and how that was not only allowed to happen but sort of like the apathy to you know with everyone around her. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, I kind of forgot how dark this movie was. And I remember I told Alex, um, because this movie was my choice this particular week. And I told her, you know, after watching it, because she'd watched it first, I kind of had to apologize to her because it's, it's a little, um, it's a little heavy, right? What do you, what would you say? I I, I left the movie with a heavy heart as if I knew her. Mm. Um, she was tortured. She, yeah. she, she, she had it rough. And then when you actually do the research, you actually see or read rather how bad she had it. The movie was light compared to what she actually yeah. went through. Because like if they did a movie on exactly what happened to her, like nobody could watch it. They had to sort of sanitize it a little bit. You know what I mean? No, it was sanitized it- a lot. Okay, you're right. A I'm not going to disagree with you. I was shocked to make it- when I, I uh, did the research on the movie, on the actual events, my mouth was on the floor. They have to like make it sort of, in a sense, palatable for you know the viewing audience. Imagine watching a movie on exactly what she went through. Like that would be something unwatchable, don't you think? Like I couldn't sit through that. People watch you know what horror I mean? movies, don't they? Yeah, but everybody knows horror movies aren't real as opposed to something like this. You don't want to believe. Or, you know, you don't want to believe that we as people could not only perpetuate this sort of horrific, you know, activity or event, but other people could like stand by and watch. And you know what I mean? You you just don't want to believe it, that that's part of the human experience. You know what I mean? When you watch a horror movie, you know, that's, that's just all fake. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Remember, I hear you, but you have to remember that the details of what happened in that house were already made public. Yeah, but you got to also remember, like, how many people... This is something that happened, like, what, 40, 50 years ago. And and it's something that I think people who were, I guess, into the court, Kate, like... Because I don't think, like, back in the day, like, in 65, 66, whenever this case took place, I don't think that that's something they, they... could write about. If you read newspapers, they were very heavily sort of sanitized and edited. They wouldn't write like, you know, oh, she she was force fed her own feces, for example. They're not going to write that in the paper. Like you have to really read the court documents and most people don't do stuff like that. But like watching an actual movie where the acting is, you know, so good that you kind of actually believe everything that's going on. It's kind of like you're seeing it with your own eyes as opposed to reading a court transcript. That's a little bit more removed than actually watching events that are portraying real life people. So you want to get into it? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so we kind of open up with 
the uh, title page, uh, it's not a title page, but it says Banishevsky versus the state of Indiana. And we see, we first we hear a voiceover of Sylvia talking about how much she loved the carnival and um, how much she loved the merry-go-round. Are you saying Banishevsky or Banishevsky? Banishevsky? So we're going to stick with Banishevsky. I don't know. We could say, well, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it because it's spelled way different. Banishevsky, Banishevsky. I'm, a, I'm saying Beneshevsky. You can say it. I've heard it multiple ways. Exactly. So to I'm, be more correct, you say Beneshevsky, I say Beneshevsky. All right. That's fine. <laughs> hey, somebody's going to get it right. Right. You know? Okay. So now we're in, we're in 1966, I believe, right? We're in Indianapolis. They refer to this as the most horrific crime committed against the individual in the state of Indiana or something to that effect, right? Yeah. And that title still holds today. We see a courtroom. It's packed. We see flashbulbs and we see an unknown woman and a man. They take a seat. At this point, we don't know who they are, but we later find out that they're Sylvia's parents. Oh yeah. We actually see crime, the crime scene photos and the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. You know, those photos are actually online. You could actually go back and you can look at, I didn't, I didn't see it, but you can look at those photos online. But we later come to learn how that came to be. Then we see a woman. We later I did it is identified as Gertrude Banishevsky. She's sitting at an events table. So now it's Sunday morning and Betty, who is uh, Sylvia's mom, her sister, Jenny and Sylvia, they're about to go to church and their father, Lester, he kind of, um, he kind of go- speaks with the mom about going to go on the road because what they do is they sell, they're like vendors, food vendors. And so they go from carnival to carnival to sell concessions or food. And he's trying to entice her to go on the road with her so that they can make money and they're trying to figure out what to do with, you know, the mom, she, Betty, she doesn't want to leave the girls. The, the girls behind because they're kind of essentially like going from place to place. She kind of wants to set roots down. We also see that Jenny has a leg brace. We later find out that she has polio. These are the, the after effects of polio. So, so inside the church, we see a woman and that's Gertrude. She's holding a crying baby as the pastor is trying to talk. These babies are like, they don't really care about where you are. So she's <laughs> she looks a little bit frazzled. So um, Gertrude is on the bus and she she speaks with the woman. Her name is Hope. And she tells her, you know, we learn a little bit more about Gertrude. She says that, you know, she's on her new meds and they're working better and that she's willing to iron for pay. So now we learn that this is a woman who's not a woman of means, who's essentially willing to do um, menial tasks or labor just to earn a buck. So like, that's what we learned about her at this point. And we also and- learned that she is sick. Yes. We don't know. And Ginny, how? Pardon? We don't know what type of sickness she has, because I don't think she said that she had mental issues, but we know that she's sick and other people know that she was sick. That's why she said, I want new meds. You know, mm-hmm. that's just letting the person know that, you know, it's, it's it signals to us that the person already knew she was on medication. Yeah. And she yeah, say she's yeah. on new medication. Did you see the real Gertrude Manischewski? <laughs> yeah, I saw her. Yeah, she a little hard in the face, right? She really did. And that yo, she's like thirty seven, going on like sixty seven. She looks like an elderly woman. Am I not right? You're right. Anyway, so um, we see Jenny and Sylvia. They're speaking to two girls. We later find out that they're what are their names? Alex, Maria, Marie, Mary, or oh, Marie, Marie, okay. 
Mary and... Marie. Oh my gosh, Marie. And Shirley, yes. Okay. We later found out that it's Marie and Shirley. And they kind of convinced them to go over to Gertrude's house to kind of hang out. Because as we later learned, like that's sort of like the neighborhood hangout spot. That's where all the kids sort of kind of gather. And she, there's like a sense of lawlessness there, right? Like she has no rules. She kind of lets her kids kind of come and go and do what they want. Which is you know? fine. That's what kids do. Hey, you want to come over and play? Even if, you know, they just met the, the child. But when they get to the house and Gertrude turns around and sees two new faces, she still allows them to come into her house. Who does that? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was more of her being kind of lax as a mother with the rules or that's more of a product of like 65. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that was like a thing that kind of just kind of let things kind of slide like that. I heard about the actual real house. That house looks like really crusty, but I hear that in the real life, like that looks compared to what the real life house looks like. That was like a palace. It was really filthy, mm. dirty, disgusting, caked on dirt. Like it was just, and the anyway. And Lester let the kids stay in a house that looks like that? I don't know. Like that's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if he actually came in the house to see it. Like that's something that's sort of, sort of unclear. I don't know if like she kind of just spoke to him through the door and he kind of was just like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. He definitely, well, they, the parents, um, definitely went in the house to visit the kids later on. We know that. But we know that in the movie. We don't know if that actually happened in real life. No, like, in real life, I'm saying. In the movie. Oh, they did? Yeah, in the in the movie, I don't, you don't, they don't show the parents coming to visit the kids since um, dropping them off. But in the, I guess the transcripts, the information that's out there, it does say that the parents went to visit the kids. Yeah, I did read, I thought, I did read that the father had went and this was close to the time where she was like really bad off. Like she was like really emaciated. I don't know. Everybody fell this girl. Like it's just, I know it was the sixties, but ugh, Lord. Okay. Um, We also meet, Paula, who is like the the eldest daughter. She's working as a waitress to help. She's helping out. She's helping out around the house. She's con- Financially. She's helping out financially. We also learn because they're all upstairs in the room, kind of being girly, kind of brushing each other's hair, talking, learning about each other. And we learn that the father was a police officer and that they were divorced. And, and that the youngest, Kenny, he has a different father from the rest. But in real life, they were married for like 10 years. And then they ended up getting divorced. She ended up marrying somebody else and her and that other person were married for like, I don't know, like two months. He didn't yeah. want any kids. At that time where her and her uh, her first husband were married, the kid's father, they, were, they only had four kids. Then they eventually got back together and they had another two kids. And I heard that he was very abusive to her the whole time. He was very, very abusive officer. to her. Pardon? He was a police officer at the time. So now Paula and Sylvia, because they're kind of closer in age. At this time, Sylvia's about, what, 15? 15, 16. Paula's about 16, 17. So they're like close in age. So they're hanging out. And she takes, Paula takes Sylvia to, she's heading to the grocery store. And then we kind of, I put in that, is that James Franco? Ew. Yeah. But anyway, I'm not a fan. We kind of learned that that. He has a look. He just looks like a real jerky guy. (laughs) It's it's other things that I read about him too. But anyway, we kind of learned that that is Kenny, the youngest son. That's, he's the father of Gertrude's youngest son. And he's 23 at the time. He's trash, but whatever. Uh, He's only six years older than Paula, we learned. And that's when she kind of, Paula and Sylvia, they go to the grocery store and she's kind of taught, like she's standing by, she's standing outside and talking to Sylvia about this guy who's working. He's a significantly older man. We find out his name is Bradley and he's married. So Paula is entangled (laughs) 
Did I really just say entangled? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Thanks, Jada. But Paula is kind of having an affair with a, a significantly older man who is married. Um, I put like mother, like daughter. I don't know why I put that there. I don't, like, I feel like she kind of let her kids, especially her girls, kind of just, she just left them to their own devices. Like, I felt like she failed them a lot. So now we're off, we're back at Gertrude's home. She's ironing, she's coughing, she's guzzling cough medicine. There's a baby crying. Like, her life sounds like a frenetic mess. Let's like, you know back. what I mean? Let's go back. You said that she's coughing and she's drinking cough medicine. You see her do that throughout the entire movie, but she's still coughing. So and something should have signaled to her that, you know, this cough medicine is just not working out for me. She probably couldn't afford to go to the doctor. So I she, she was, yeah. Because she's saying that it's asthma. So she's, and she's also a smoker. So that couldn't help her situation, whatever it was either. I don't know. I feel like she figured that, I feel like a lot of people back then, they just kind of dealt with whatever it was, you know, on their own. She convinces Marie to go take the baby to go get some milk. They have no money. I think they don't have any store credit. So basically they're using little baby. Sympathy. Yes. Pawn. Because what do you say? Sympathy pawn. Yeah, pretty much. Because, you know, no, nobody wants to say no to a crying you know, baby, a crying baby in milk. And I'm just saying, like, we shouldn't be drinking cow's milk anyway. Anyway, um, Lester, at this point, Lester is coming. He was told that the girls were there. So he's looking for Jenny and Sylvia. And he kind of gets into a conversation with Greta. Greta? Who's Greta? He gets into the conversation with Gertrude. She suggests that he allow the girls to stay there and that while Lester and Betty go out on the road, he allow the girls to stay there and just pay him $20 a week. And I actually looked it up and the equivalent of $20 to the, in today's money would be $164.51. But it has the buying power of, or purchasing power rather, of $822.54. Right? And her rent was $55, so I can see that. He basically agrees to it. He doesn't know her from a can of paint. And I don't know if this was a time, you know, this was... um The time where it, everyone tr- trusts everyone. Nothing right. happens. You can leave your kids with someone who has a friendly face. I don't know if it was that or if it was because he was just kind of desperate. He just wanted to go do his own thing. He figured, hey, might as well. She seems, she's a woman. She's a mother. She's a mother. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Don't find out. Yeah. So we're back in the courtroom with the prosecutor and he asks Lester, you were willing to leave your daughter with a stranger? Like, I know that has to be a question that haunted him for the rest of his life until his dying day. Absolutely, absolutely. People, don't leave your kids with strangers. Don't do that. And I think that that was also a time where people thought women didn't do things like that. You know what I mean? If he was a single dad, I doubt that her parents would have left them, what left the kids with the single dad. But people just had this perception that women didn't commit you know, egregious and horrible crimes like that. Right. So we're back. We're in August 60 of 65. It's the first day of school for Sylvia and Jenny. And this is when we meet the creep, Ricky, right? Who later plays a huge, huge, huge part Why of- Why do you call him a creep? Because he just is creepy to me. He's not creepy to you? Why do you think he's a creep? He just comes off as weird to me. And I don't think that creep is synonymous with weird. He's both to me. Um, I do remember him just, you know, sneaking up on Sylvia, not going to school and just going to an adult's house, just chilling as if he is an adult. You know what I mean? I found that weird, but I don't know if I would say creepy. There's like interviews like he did later on about the incident and he sounded like he, he was talking about 
having Sunday dinner. Like there wasn't an ounce of remorse, an ounce of, you know, regret or anything in his voice. He's a creep. There was also rumors that him and Gertrude had a thing. That's what I'm saying. That's what seemed weird to me. Not creepy, but weird. Because he would just go to her house just to hang out. He's not hanging out with the kids. He's sitting and talking to her. And yes, I did get that feeling that he and Gertrude had something going on. Absolutely. Yeah, I was wondering why they didn't uh, include that. Was that too much? I don't, I don't know why they didn't include that in there. At first, I wasn't sure. I was like... Was it because he was lacking a mother figure or whatever? Because we didn't know much about his life. Was he trying to pay Sylvia back? You know, because in the beginning, it seemed like he liked her. Was this a revenge thing or was it because, you that know, That was probably and- something that was going on before Sylvia stopped by. Could have been. Could have certainly been. I find that, or I found that she was hard up on money. And in the movie, it said that his mom was in the hospital. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what it was in real life, but she probably took advantage of that. Mm, his mother's in absolutely. the hospital and you know absolutely. he can help her, help her out some way somehow financially you know so she would just sleep with him and we um we're back at Gertrude's house now James Franco he comes to see her and he's telling her that he has enlistment papers he's going to boot camp and oh my gosh he this guy he's just such a douchebag he knows that the woman has seven kids is hard up on money and he's coming asking her for money like what kind of man he- are you He's a bum. He's a he's a he's a full fledged bum. Oh my gosh! She said like, that she doesn't have any money, and then you know he persuades her. Well, I don't think there was that much persuading going on. They end up having sex. Don't forget he slapped her. He slapped her first, so he's clearly that was alluding to his abusive sort of disposition. They had like an abusive relationship, much like she had with her ex husband, right. and probably many other relationships in her life. That's what she knew, right? You and know? so after sex, she ends up giving him the money mm-hmm. you know remember at first she didn't have it but now she has it sex to do that to you that I, I was wondering if it was sex or if it was just she just didn't want to deal with she was afraid or i don't i don't know or it was a combination of both so okay now we're back in the courtroom with miss Doy, mrs doyle she's a neighbor she's gertrude's direct neighbor and in real life the neighbor's name was Phyllis Vermillion, Alex. Yes, <laughs> right? Phyllis Vermillion. <laughs> but here's the thing. Okay, guys. She not only heard things. It's not just she, Carol. It's they. They. You're right. Her husband. Because then we did. Well. We also saw her husband, too, in the, in the exactly. movie. Exactly. So they not only heard things, but I know for a fact. They witnessed. They witnessed. Listen, they heard. They saw. They not only saw Sylvia's black eyes. They saw her beat Gertrude. They saw Gertrude beat this girl in front of them. And what did she do? Hey, do you want to watch my two kids too? So Gertrude was actually babysitting her two kids. I mean, I I didn't know that. Yes. I know this is the 60s, but come on. You hear this girl screaming and crying. And you see the abuse. You see the physical abuse and you don't report it. That's the thing. I could not reconcile that. I understand this was a different time and this was a time where people wanted to mind their business. At the core of us all, aren't we all just human beings? How could, as a human being, you are witness to this horror and you can just turn a blind eye to it? That's exactly why now, if you, as an adult, a neighbor, you see child abuse, you're supposed to report it. And if you don't, you can be held liable for not reporting it. Like, that's insane to me. And the sad thing is people still don't report it. Even in 2020, people still don't report child abuse cases a lot of times. They report it more often than they did in the 60s. 
Well, obviously, of course, of course. But she actually said that she felt sorry for Gertrude. They lifted the dialogue from the actual transcripts, the courtroom transcripts. Did you know that? So when she says, oh yeah, I felt sorry for Gertrude, this is what Phyllis was actually saying. She felt sorry sorry for her in light of everything that she learned and she knew and she came to know about her. She Crazy. probably felt sorry for her because she had seven kids and couldn't take care of them the way, you know, she should. Oh yeah, we're at Gertrude's house. They're having dinner, saying Grace and Paula comes home late and her mother just kind of slaps her. That didn't come out of nowhere. That did not come out of nowhere. Paula came home. Uh, her mom asked her where she had been. <laughs> she said that she had to pick up a shift. And first of all, she's still in... Her, her regular clothes. So how stupid, how stupid would her mother be to have believed that? Her mother didn't believe her. her. Her mother said something along the lines of, I don't want you seeing that man, that boy or something, you know? Like Gertrude had this thing where she wanted her children to appear to be wholesome. Wholesome. And like, and even her, like she took on the last name at one point, she took on the last name, right? That was the real... The, the baby's name? Andy. Name. I think his name was Dennis in real life. That was his, his last name was actually right. So she took on this last name and she would tell people that she was married and that her husband was like in Germany or something. I don't know, something like that. Cause she, she didn't want the appearance of impropriety, um, impropriety, especially, you know, back in those days, you wanted to seem as, you know, Christianly and like you said, wholesome as possible. I think that had a lot to do with how she, why she treated Sylvia the way that she treated her because her actions to me make no sense, but Sylvia was everything that her children weren't. So Sylvia was everything that she wasn't. But anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later. You come to learn that Paula is... But wait, wait, going back. In the movie, Paula gave her mom a response. She said, oh yeah, because you don't want me to end up like you. And that's when her mother slapped her. At this point, the girls seem to be... It seems to be a decent living situation for them. There's no abuse going on. They're kind of mingling and mixing with the family, making new friends and everything is kind of okay. And Paula and Sylvia seem to have a decent relationship. Although I heard that in real life, Paula just really couldn't stand Sylvia. From so the onset. Yeah. Paula so, was and actually I, a chubby kid. She was yeah, yeah, low-key yeah. fat, you know? Yeah. And she was jealous of Sylvia. <laughs> she was jealous. <laughs> she was jealous of Sylvia. And no, they did not have a great relationship at all. Right. So, the movie so I think this betrayal... Up. Yeah, I think it was a little inaccurate. But she... She's really distraught and she, you know, she confides in Sylvia about her pregnancy from Bradley. And Sylvia promises secrecy. Put a pin in that. We'll get back to that later. And we see Gertrude. I, I want to call her Greta Gretchen. Every G name that's except for Gertrude. But Gertrude is looking through the mail and you notice that there's no check. Sorry. She notices that there's no check. And I wrote, and so it begins. This was like This the, is what started everything. This was the catalog. This was yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. This was like the she didn't get that $20. She's already in the hole. She's, you know, she took her frustration out literally on their asses. She really did. And that's the, the crazy thing is that the check arrived the next day. Yeah. But it didn't matter. It was already too late. Like it was like a switch kind of flipped in her and there was never, a, they were never able to turn that switch back off. There was no going you know back. I mean? mm-hmm. So like you say, at this, this day when the first check arrived late, she basically, you know, told Sylvia and Jenny that she took care of them for for a week or two weeks or whatever it was. And, you know, she's upset that the check didn't arrive and she essentially banished them to the basement. That's not what she said. She said, I took care of you little bitches for two. What she said, I took care of you little bitches for, for, for nothing. Was okay. Those, was, were those her words? Something to that effect. I mean, I didn't want to repeat it, but. But wait. Okay. So, yeah, she threw them down in the basement. And she. She whips them first. Hold on. Forget. She whips them. She whips Jenny and Sylvia's like. You that know, didn't she offers happen in the to basement? take hers. Did that happen in the basement? I'm not, I put, I got, 
She, it, it might, you, you, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It happened you're right. in the basement. So like you said, yeah, um, she, she whips them. She starts with Jenny, but Jenny couldn't handle it. So she, then she goes to Sylvia or rather Sylvia says, I'll take hers for her. Right. And Sylvia That's takes- real. Would you have done that for me? No. And then after the, the beating- Jenny doesn't even say thank you. Just because she didn't say it in a movie doesn't mean she didn't say it in real life, though. You know what I mean? That just because they didn't include it. You're right. You know? You're right. You're right. But yeah, I was wondering that whole time when I was watching that movie. I was like, hmm, would I would I do that for you? Hmm. Would you? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> but you know what's funny? I was thinking that you were Jenny. Yeah. But you were not Sylvia. Thank you. Yeah, I was Sylvia, and you were Jenny, and I take your beat. Your beatings for you, but you would say thank you. Yeah, I think I would. I feel like I could relate a lot to Jenny. Sad thing, but yeah. But no, Rest no, of- you you would have. You, I've seen you. You have stood up for what you thought was wrong. You stood up for injustice. I tried, but um, I think a lot like and and back in those days, like a spanking, it wasn't as taboo as it is now. So them getting a spanking to the like, it didn't feel like child abuse like today if you spank some your child especially somebody else's child like you can't do stuff like that and at one point sylvia says it ain't like we ain't never had a spanking before so she didn't see it as big of a deal as it was because she could have had no idea what she was in store for you know what i mean right okay later we see that gertrude gets a check for 20 dollars in the mail but that doesn't matter and there's okay. also a letter in there that we later find out um has the parents information and the parents are asking for the children to call them and she doesn't give that letter. And Jenny finds mm. it in the trash. So we're with the girls and their friends. They're having a night out. They're hanging out, drinking, smoking. Paula's smoking. Remember, you just said that she was pregnant. Back then, they didn't care about stuff like that. There was no Surgeon General's warning. Actually, was- there was. That's actually the year that it came about. In 1965, but, the Federal that was- Cigarette Labeling oh, Act. She's nerding out. Of oh, 1965. Did you, did you know that off? Did you know that offhand? Doesn't matter. Did you know that off here? No, I'm matter. asking you. Or did, yeah, I'm just that asking you. Know required the warning. It <laughs> said, but you, caution, cigarette smoke may be hazardous to your health. But you have, you have to understand, like, that may have happened, but people still have to, uh, it, it takes time to adjust attitudes and social norms. So that's something like that is not going to happen overnight. Just because they kind of, um, you know, it came out in 65. That That's that's a slow transition. That's a slow process. Yeah. So... Paula, she kind of spots Bradley from across the uh, the street. Spot. She was she was looking for him. She yeah, was, you're right. She was hawk eyeing for him. And that's when she goes to him. It's like, hey, baby, what's up? And he's like, you look, I had you. I don't need you. That's pretty much like it's pretty much yeah, like my you, wife you... is back. It's over because I think the wife was supposed to be at the cousin's house or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my wife is back. It's over. Get lost, kid. <laughs> Get lost, kid. Did he look like he was gonna rape her or something? Like, oh what my gosh, was- yes, yes, I saw that. He, what, what did he say? This is what you want. This is what you want. And he started kissing and groping up on her, and Sylvia saved her. Trash. And that's when Sylvia, she kind of her instinctually, she wanted to protect Paula, and she, that's when she blurted out, "She's pregnant." And Paula's reaction was none too kind. She did not appreciate that. that. Yeah. And pay she did. She comes home crying. She tells her mom that Sylvia was telling lies about her and that Sylvia was calling her a slut. Oh yeah, we, we're in court and Jenny's testifying now. She's talking about how Sylvia went to church. 
she was she always had a Bible on her. She was clean. I guess they're trying to paint the image that Sylvia, you know, which was essentially true that Sylvia was like this good Christian, you know, upstanding girl next door. Because throughout this, like Gretchen has more or less kind of drilled into people that Sylvia was this nasty, filthy, dirty, disgusting whore. Any chance she could get, like she was telling people, like what I thought, what I think she may have thought of herself or potentially her own daughter, like that's what she was trying to put on the Sylvia. Right. We're at a church bus and a boy is smiling at Sylvia. Oh yeah, that's when she kind of... Uh, Gertrude kind of makes Jenny sit with her because I noticed like she was trying to draw a division on a lot of times between Jenny and Mm -hmm. Sylvia. I think the reason I think that she didn't pick on Jenny as much is because Jenny had a limp. Jenny was like this, somebody that she felt was more to be pitied, not somebody she envied or somebody she wanted to be. Right. Like that's why I feel like Sylvia kind of a lot in a lot of ways, she escaped a the brunt of that. All of that was kind you of exalted. Sylvia escaped the brunt of that. You oh, I'm Jenny. sorry. I misspoke. Jenny, Jenny escaped the brunt of that. And a lot of those ill feelings were kind of pushed upon or put upon Sylvia. But back at Gertrude's house and she makes Sylvia apologize for calling her a slut. And she and, does, even though she didn't say it in, to begin with. And then she tells, she tells Paula that she has the right to get even. Paula says, I want you to punish her mama. And Little Johnny, because he wants to get in on it too. He grabs her arm, and that's when Paula begins to she she slaps her and throws her to the ground. She hits her so hard that she breaks her she freaking breaks her wrist. That's how hard like she was like hitting her because she was aiming for her teeth. Yeah, and then afterwards she's in a cast and she's still beating on Sylvia with the cast. She now has a weapon. I heard that at one point a lot of the instances of Sylvia's abuse were not instigated by Gertrude. Paula was kind of like the ringleader a lot in a lot of... I read that Gertrude, she would say things to the kids. Um, She would tell lies to the kids. So as to to goad the kids to insult her, beat her, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like she would instigate. She would sit back and... She was the instigator. That's it. She's trash, yo. She's trash. Like if there's a hell, I don't know what your belief system is, people. But if there's a hell, Gertrude is in it. I'm sorry. How could you be a mother? Okay, I'm sorry. This part got me sad because it's at night. Sylvia and Jenny are together and they're like saying a prayer. Like they say their mom's favorite prayer. Ugh, I don't know. That, I don't know why that part got me. It's just like the innocence of childhood. Like they, they feel like this prayer is like going to protect them. Or Right. Okay, so we're in September of 65 now. We're getting closer to them discovering Sylvia because that happened in uh, October of 65. So we're in September. And Stephanie, who's the second eldest daughter... At this point, she's about 15. She has a boyfriend named Coy, who plays a very significant role in, you know, Sylvia's abuse as well. We I don't think we mentioned him. But Coy tells Stephanie that he heard that Paula is pregnant and that people are talking. I, I don't I can't even remember what source it was, but I think I read that um Sylvia did that was like her one act of retaliation. It might have been Wikipedia, but the rumor that Sylvia started was that Stephanie and Paula were prostitutes. Oh, okay. Okay. That's okay. what she said. And to be honest with you, I think that they were. They might have been. I think that they were. I wouldn't Again, be surprised. The mother, she she wanted the kids to help out. There was a, a a part in the movie where she had a family meeting, and she's saying that even though the checks are coming in regularly, she's the ironing has slowed down, and she needs everyone to help out. So she's telling Paula pick up more shift shifts. She's telling, well, actually, Stephanie suggested that she eats at Coy's house. But during that scene, I thought she was going to tell the kids to prostitute themselves. I really did. 
And there was another part in the movie where I thought she was going to tell. Actually, when she didn't receive the $20 check and she told the the kids, Jenny and Sylvia, she didn't receive the $20 check. I thought she was going to say, well, you got to pull your weight. I thought she was going to prostitute them. That actually makes a lot of sense, to be honest with you. That makes a lot, a lot of sense. Sylvia was telling the truth. I guarantee you, the fact that she was kind of really always constantly calling Sylvia this process. Exactly. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. That actually makes a lot of sense. At this point, this is the beginning of when we see kind of Ricky sort of visiting Gertrude and we never see kind of the genesis of that sort of relationship. But this, in the movie, this is kind of the beginning of when he starts to inject himself into that whole life and that whole house and that whole situation. Oh yeah, the girls, at this point, the girls, um, Jenny and Sylvia, they call their mom. Oh yeah, Um, that's when Jenny found the note in the trash. And they go to a payphone. Shout out to payphones, guys. You remember those? I remember those. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, I don't know why they don't still have them. I'm sorry. I think they should. But that's just me. But never mind. Corona. I think, yeah, never mind. No, cell phones. Yeah, I know that too. But sometimes cell phones die. You know how many charging ports people have around their businesses? Like the terminals have charging ports. Airports have charging ports. Yeah, that's true. This is when Jenny and Sylvia, they go back to the house. And the mother and that, accused them, or, or Sylvia accused Sylvia of stealing money from them. Yeah, and that's when she lies and she says that they got the money for from like picking up bottles or something like that in the park and selling it. So you think Sylvia and Jenny were lying? I don't know, actually. Where did they get the money? Did we find out where they got the money? I don't know. But that's when Gertie burns her with burns her with the cigarette and she screams. Of course, the neighbor's hair and it's crickets. They don't do anything. Right? Yeah. They don't do anything. I read like at the end when they found her body, she had about 150 wounds. On at her, least. Including six. At least. Including cigarette burns. and The left side of her face was like the, the, the skin on the left side of her face was missing. She had like, I also read that she had bit her lips. Oh so severely yes. that she almost severed, severed them, them from her face. Yes. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh. I don't think she did that because she was hungry. Her brain was probably going, you know, and then mm. that's just an inv- involuntary um, reaction. We're at the courthouse with Marie and Marie says that Paula was je- jealous of Sylvia. Yeah, I heard that Sylvia was like a very sort of very social, like outgoing, gregarious sort of girl. So I think that she probably had a lot of like um, boys who kind of were like interested in her. Like she was kind of popular probably. I feel like that probably fueled a lot of Paula's hate too. And she also said that Sylvia thought she was so much more important than Paula was. So this is all, a lot of this stemmed from just regular teenage girl jealousy. Paula also admits to punishing Sylvia with her sprained wrist. And now we're at the church picnic. And Andy's telling Gertrude that rumor, the rumor is that Paula is pregnant. And of course, as Gertrude always does, you know, in true form, she blames Sylvia and says that Sylvia is nothing but trouble. When her daughter is out messing with a married man and you know that. The whole time, like in in real life situation, the whole time, she was in complete denial that her daughter was pregnant. She would not admit to her daughter being pregnant. Right. You know that, right? Yeah. It was probably because she didn't want to see her daughter repeating her mistakes because mm. she had her child at about Paula's age. Mm-hmm. But she didn't want to see it. She didn't want to believe it. I wrote here that Ricky is clearly the snitch. I, that was my theory. Ricky's the one who actually snitched that Paula was pregnant because when they were, when um, Sylvia kind of blurted it out to Bradley, he was there. So he potentially was the person who, I don't know, unless Paula told other people in real life and we don't know, but Sylvia goes to hang out with Eric and his friends. Like I said, she's really kind of, getting attention from, you know, other guys and 
that doesn't sit too well with her. Is this the point when, um, who has it? And he goes over to her and he like puts a hand on her knee or something like that. He says something like, you know, just uh, Gertie is really protective about her kids. Just kind of be careful. And Gertrude sees that. And that kind of comes up later on where she kind of retaliates against her for something that is completely innocent. Yeah. Accuses her of flirting with Andy. Nobody wants that man. Nobody. Nobody. Mind you, he's supposed to be in boot camp right now, but he's he got time to like go to a, 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 a church picnic, picnic, right? Yeah. Okay, Speaking sir. Of a church picnic. There was something written where Sylvia, well, probably all the kids, went to a church function, and Sylvia maybe she ate more than she should have, and the kids go back and tell. Yeah, Earth yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh my god, Sylvia ate more than she should have. Meanwhile, it's okay for Paula and what's his name? Jonathan to be chubby. You know what I mean? Who, this is the point where she makes her like she's didn't she force feed her like hot dogs or something like that? And then was, and she threw it up and she makes she made her pick up her vomit and eat it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Ugh. that happened the same day, but that oh, okay. definitely was an incident. But yeah, how you how how are you going to get mad because someone else is eating their fair portion when you do the same thing? Because that had nothing to do with why she was mad. She just wanted, she was angry about her life. They were all angry about their circumstances and they wanted to take it that out on somebody. And Sylvia was just the personification of like their, you know, she was just that person that they could take it out on. Like it hadn't, it wasn't, if it wasn't Sylvia and it was somebody else in her place, it would have been that person. It was, they just want, they were just angry people. It had nothing to do with Sylvia. It had nothing to do with her eating. Yeah. So we're back at Gertrude's house and exactly what I said, um, Sylvia, she, she accused Sylvia of flirting with him. And make also making up the pregnancy rumors, and she accuses her of sleeping around with with boys from California. I didn't we didn't mention it before, but earlier in the earlier scene when um Paula and yeah Paula and Sylvia were talking, and Paula questioned her as to whether she had a boyfriend, and she said that there was some guy in California, yada yada yada. Obviously, it was just a cute, innocent kind of you know nothing situation, but. Gertrude kind of blew that up into something bigger than what it was. Oh my God. Uh, I just read my notes. This scene, this scene right here. Uh-oh. <laughs> this scene took me out, man. Yo, because in the real life situation, right? She made her, she wasn't, she I think was, I know what scene you're about You know exactly about. what scene I I'm talking about. You know exactly about. what I'm talking about. Does it have to do with a cup bottle? Yes, it oh does. Yes, it does. Go yes, ahead. it does. Go ahead. She, she made her, in the real, in real life, she made, because she made her take off her clothes. Compl- she was completely naked, naked. Yes. And she was in front of- Everybody. Everybody, like the neighborhood kid, all the boys and their friends. And she made her take, guys, if you have kids- Please step up. Like, fair, fair warning, guys. This is a little explicit. She made her take a Coke bottle, like a glass Coke bottle, and Stick penetrate herself. Yeah. Okay, Alex. I, can, 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 I, can I say it a little more cleanly than that? <laughs> Jeez. She made her penetrate herself. I'm, why did I say, why did I say my voice suddenly got low? But she made her penetrate herself and kind of masturbate at the same time. Wow. And mind you, Sylvia's a virgin. At this point. So this has got to be an excruciating... Oh, man. Oh, poor Sylvia. Okay, can, we're going to move on because it's, this that is when Coy... sexual abuse. That's sexual mm. abuse. That that 100% is. That's 100%. So it wasn't just torture and child abuse. It was to- torture, child abuse, and sexual abuse. And verbal abuse. It was yes. it was every kind of Emotional, abuse. Emotional, mental. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she had it bad. She, bad is an understatement. 
So at this point in the movie, Koi and Stephanie, they come home from wherever, probably doing it or whatever. Koi, and then at the, at, this is this is during and the- Before you get to that, since we're talking about Sylvia's vagina. Oh, wow. In the autopsy, her vagina was swollen shut. Yeah. Like I was going to mention that later on. So many times they, oh my gosh, how is your vagina swollen shut? And then- uh, the autopsy revealed that the hymen was still intact, which means she was a virgin, which means she wasn't yeah. a prostitute. Your kids were the prostitutes. Come on. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring that mission out a little bit later on, but, um, oh yeah. Okay. At this point, Koi and Steph- Stephanie come home and Koi and Johnny, they pretty much throw Sylvia down the basement stairs. And that's, oh, I forgot to mention this Coke bottle, this Coke bottle incident, it made her incontinent. No, I don't. Yes. Think- I don't think that's okay. That could have been a contributing factor, but I also believe the um, the hits that she took to, to her kidneys and the fact that they wouldn't let her go to the bathroom when she needed to go to the bathroom. I think all of those were contributing factors to her incontinence. I don't think because I read because I read that at this point she wasn't in the basement. She was upstairs at this point, but she could not stop like wetting the bed, and so at that point, that's when they kind of put her in the basement because like Gertrude was just completely disgusted by everything that was going on. I feel like I thought uh, she was you could be right. in the basement, but at one in the movie. No, no, no. In the movie. This is from the information that's available online. Okay. Where she is in the basement. She's being tortured. And I don't know, for whatever reason, Gertrude decides to allow her to sleep upstairs. Right, 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 right. Not to wet the bed. But then Sylvia asks Jenny for a cup of water. I'm sorry, to sneak her a cup of water. And she does. And she ends up wetting the bed. And then she goes back down to the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. I put that. What did I write in my notes? I wrote bloody broken. Like like her body is completely bloodied. And she's like broken mentally, physically. Like she, her spirit is completely broken. Well, and then like that. fight back anymore. Pardon? Where she can't fight back. And that juxtaposed against... The sound of there were children playing outside. Like something about that was very, it was very effective to me. Like you hear the carefree innocence of children playing outside. And then there's this- she's in the basement suffering. Like that was really effective to me. And we, when she's thrown down the basement, um, Gertrude tells her that she has to stay in the basement until she learns her lesson. And that she tells the other kids to tell and she whoever- she down the basement several times. Several times. Yeah, throughout times. her entire, for the remainder of her experience. Gertrude but did it. Coy did it. Paula did it. Gertrude told- the other kids, if anyone asked to tell them that Sylvia was in juvie. You want to know what that makes sense about that part? Gertrude is telling the neighborhood kids and her kids, if anyone asks, she's in juvie. Meanwhile, she lets the neighborhood kids in to see that she's not actually in juvie. That's probably more to the adults, like the teachers or like, you know, the pastor or the neighbors. I think that had more to do with them. I guess she didn't think that none of the kids will go to their parents. And most of them didn't. But at this point, we see Paula bringing her food. And Paula says, this is only for a little while. I don't know why, but I didn't care for them trying to make these people look even remotely sympathetic. Because I don't believe that's how it happened in real life. They made Paula out to be some type of, like you said, sympathetic person. A hero, you know, leading her to the door. But actually, no, that did happen. That was like her only act of sympathy. Trying to help her leave. Telling her to leave if she knows what's good for her. Something along those lines. Paula was... A tormentor. So we're back in court and we're with Shirley 
And Shirley admits that Sylvia never talked back and that as Shirley herself, she only did to Sylvia what she was told to do. We also see this is the beginning of like the neighborhood kids kind of getting in on it. Johnny brings the, the high school kids to kind of watch her. He like burns her with a cigarette and he's like, oh, she won't feel it, you know. And at first they kind of seem sort of like appalled by it. But then everybody begins to participate in it. The Sally person, whatever she does, she does as well. Earlier, they kind of seemed to have sort of like a friendship because she was one of the kids that was sort of hanging out with uh, Sylvia, you know, earlier in the, the movie. But um, they punch her. They kick her. They spray her with the holes. They practice their judo moves on her. Like she's oh, like basically like a, a punching bag. She's like a... a, a the neighborhood punching bag, yep. They're like dancing with with her body and she seems so lifeless. They tie her to a wooden post. She was like naked mm-hmm. doing like a lot of the, during a lot of this, um you know, abuse. this occurrence. Yeah, abuse. Thank you. So we're in October of 65 and there's a bill that arrives and, it, and Gertrude's looking at it and it's a basically for Paula's pe- pregnancy test. So she's still in denial. She she knew in her heart that that girl was pregnant. She, she just didn't Did want she? to admit it. Did she? Yeah, I, I think she knew. I think she knew. She certainly knew it was a possibility. I mean, she's messing with an older man. I mean, she, oh, she knew her kids were not innocent. But, um, oh yeah, Ricky, he comes to the house and he's asking about Sylvia. Because I think at this point, at least in the movie, it shows that he doesn't know- What's going any- on to Sylvia. Yeah. With Sylvia, yeah. And that's when Gretchen says, I'm sorry, Gretchen, Greta, Gertrude, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. Gretel. <laughs> uh, she says that she doesn't want anything to do with you. She's in juvie. So basically trying to turn, like, that's what she's, that's what she does. She's like a- Manipulator. Yeah. I was going to say, she's like a little cult leader. Like, this is her cult. You know what I mean? The cult of the children. Like, she just completely brainwashed these kids. She completely implanted herself into their minds. And like- Benichette cult. Yeah. Kids are like, they're impressionable. And yeah, at this point, Paula tells Gertie, oh, it's time to forgive her. She's learned her lesson. You think that happened in real life? No, I do not. No, I don't either. Paula could not stand her. Yeah, I think at this point, they, I think they're just trying to give these people some layers and make the movie, like I said, a little bit more palatable. They don't want everybody to seem like a monster. You know, they want when us to in like... in actuality, they were. They were. So we're in the basement and... She, oh yeah, she's cleaning Sylvia while having a freaking pity party for herself and talking about how she needs to protect her children and that she's too sick to discipline them and she just wants them to have a better life. Did you read that she would she would fill up like a bathtub of scalding, scalding hot, water. hot water? Yes. She would have yes. her sit there and she would like rub salt into in her like her wounds. Yep. Like you thought that that was an expression? No, not in Gertrude's case. She literally rubbed salt in this girl's wounds. Oh my god. Evil. Um, she's I told you she's a demon. She's a demon. She's a look at her. Did you look at her? That's demon, how demons evil, age. That's devil. Reverend Bell, he comes to visit and he's talking to her about Paula being pregnant, right? Or she, he's talking and about her. still in denial. And then mm-hmm. the Reverend, like, but Paula told me, but she's still in she, denial. He's asking about inquiring about, she bl- she's blaming Sylvia and he wants to, like, you know, talk to her, asking about her. And he wants to see her. And she says that. You know, Sylvia's in juvie. And he says, I want you in my office before the end of the week. Oh, yeah. At this point, Paula is upset about, I guess, the whole situation. And that's when um, Gertrude says to her, you know, I'm doing this for you. Whatever. And Paula's like, let go of me. I don't know if I believe any We don't have to talk about that because that didn't really happen. That didn't happen. We we got to talk about the movie. More, more. When Paula was giving her statement, there was no remorse. She stated what she did at, you know... Matter, Matter of fact, of fact. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what I did. 
And there was no remorse in her voice. So we're in October 23rd and we're back in the basement. And this is a scene I kind of alluded to earlier. And they decide to brand Sylvia. So they take a needle, heat it up, and Gretchen starts to write, I am. That's what she starts to write, I'm. And she can't finish it. Johnny is, this is like a family, this is a family affair. Johnny's the one who pulls her down and the the other kids are watching and she, she can't finish it. So... She asks Ricky to finish it. And the entire sentence reads, uh, as I alluded to earlier, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. And they said that this was, these wounds were so deep that not even modern day plastic surgery could even fix that. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Richard said that he lightly etched the words on her abdomen. Well, obviously that's what why, he said. Why would I believe him, right? Yeah. But, um... Okay, so at this point, we see Paula rescuing Sylvia and, you know, Ricky's kind of helping and he, he asks her, oh you know, what do you- Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This, this, if, you watch, if you're watching this movie for the first time and you have no idea of the actual facts of this case, this one, this would be like a doozy for you. This would have tripped you out, right? That, yeah. Cause if, if you, this would have been a moment where you just like, you have this sense of relief, like everything's going to be okay. She's finally free. But um, Ricky, he kind of helps her. She tells him that she wants to go to Porridge. That's where her parents are. And that's where he drives her there. Oh, yeah. She says she's got to get back to Jenny and make sure nothing happens to her. Sylvia actually makes it to the um to the fair. She meets up with her parents. And that's when they see signs of abuse on her. Her mom is like apologetic and she promises her that she's going to be safe. And then her parents end up driving her back to Gertrude's house to go and get Jenny. And, you know, Sylvia's like, you know what? I got to do this on my own. So Sylvia comes in the house. And then that's when we hear screaming from on Stephanie's end. Stephanie's like freaking out. Saying that, know. yeah. She, and then we hear her saying. She's not breathing. Right. And then her, her Gertrude's basically saying, oh, she's faking it. And then she's like, no, she's not faking it. And that's when Gertrude, I guess she kind of snaps into reality. First, she says, go get Andy. And she tells Richard to go phone the police. And she's still kind of in denial about everything, right? I guess. Um, we later learn that she died from a brain hemorrhage, from shock, from malnutrition. Those are all contributing factors. But remember, from the information, they said that Gertrude stomped her head several times. That's probably the brain hemorrhage. Yes, okay. But, but cops, the cops arrive, and this is exactly what happened in real life too. And Jenny said to them, "Get me out of here, and I'll tell you everything." And we see Jenny; she's on the yeah, she's on the stand. And she says they and they ask her, "Why did you not call the police?" And she says that she was scared and she didn't want to get the same treatment. I guess. But she actually did tell her older sister. They had an older sister. Oh yes, I forgot that. I forgot she did that. Tell her Diana. older sister, yes, what was going on, and her older sister she didn't, didn't believe, believe her. her. Yep. Her older sister didn't believe her. And so she's probably of the mindset, like, even if I tell someone else, they're not going to believe me. My own sister didn't believe me. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. And she actually eventually, I think she came to the house. Yeah, mm-hmm. she came to the house. And Gertrude, Gertrude told her. let her in saying that her parents said she's not allowed here. She told Jenny to tell her, you know, I don't want to see you. And that's what Diana, uh, that's what she told Diana. And that's when she called the authorities um, not the authorities, but like social services to come and visit the house. And they came, but they did like a cursory sort of visit. They didn't investigate the way they're supposed to. You're supposed to go check the entire house, make sure everything's on the up and up, that it's clean. They took our word for it, Gertrude, essentially. And they basically closed the case. And that was Who pretty much that. Who did you say sent the, the caseworker? Diana. She called the, she called the um, social services. Wasn't there a situation was there, where there was a nurse from the school that came to visit? I didn't read anything about that. 
It might have been, but I didn't read anything about that. I read that Diana kind of alerted social services. Did you read that? I thought I did. You could have. You you might have. I didn't read but that. But nonetheless, though. whoever the person was, whatever their title, they still didn't do what they were supposed to do. And, mm. and you know what? That's speaking in our time. I don't know what the guidelines for a home visit, a home inspection would be in the 1960s. As Jenny, when she's on the stand, the, the lawyer asks her, did you ever see Sylvia cry? And basically she's saying, you know, she didn't have any tears left in her. Like she was completely like- Dehydrated pretty much. Yeah, she, she couldn't cry. This is a really bad movie. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> <laughs> you were not self cutting that part out. This was a really bad situation, mm. a very unfortunate situation. It didn't happen. But it was happen. like a very prevent. Yes, I was just about to say that was a very preventable situation. They had so many people in the courtroom. The courtroom was packed. They had like fifty seats, and the judge even allowed more spectators in. And I think that gets uh, one of the attorneys said, if any of these people would have came to Sylvia's help, she'd still be alive today. And it's That's so the true. thing. There were so many different points along the way where she, somebody could have interfered. Somebody could have the neighbors, Jenny. Somebody, yeah, somebody could have altered the course of like the her life. Kids, absolutely. Oh, I read that there was there was a couple. Like there was one, a couple of kids. One kid told their parents and the parents was like, well, that's what happens when you misbehave. Yeah, don't much. do what whatever Sylvia did. Yeah. So the trial, they say, lasted about 24 days. And Gertrude, she was on that stand lying and throwing her kids under, under the, bus the bus the whole yes. time. She backed that bus up over them. But they, I think they said that the turning point was... I can't remember if it was Marie or Shirley. One of those kids, they were, in the beginning, they were essentially like going along with everything that their mom said had happened. And it was when she, I want to say it was Shirley. It was basically when she admitted what actually happened, that that was a turning point in the case. Like, had she not admitted that they essentially abused her, I don't know how this would have turned out. Stephanie too. Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie, she, uh, she flipped the script. Like she, she turned against them. Yeah. She, she turned against turned, them. She, she testified. She t- she testified, and that's the reason why she didn't get any time. She didn't serve anything, even um, though she admitted to. Yeah, I heard she was she was a she was trash too. Yeah, like they're asking her like, how did she get the wounds on her body? She's like, oh, I have no idea. I don't know. Um, she called her children liars. Did not admit to burning her with matches and cigarettes. And I don't think she ever took responsibility for her actions. Towards the end, like when she was paroled, spoiler alert, not really, but um, she eventually, because uh, they mentioned, mentioned that in the movie, but she eventually got paroled and she talked to when she was in front of the parole board. Because you know, like when you're getting going up for parole, you have to admit to your, your misdeeds, your actions, your crimes. Otherwise, they're not going to let you out. She admitted that, you know, she did that. But I don't know how, how much of that was real and how much of that was just an act just to get out of prison. And I cannot believe that they actually let this monster out. There was like a whole big uproar about that. And there was like- A petition? Yeah, like- thousand like signatures. Yeah. yeah. And Keep they still in. let her out. That's insane. They did. Like, yeah. While she was in prison, they referred to her as like- um The mom? Yeah. She was like a model prisoner. She was like the mom. Like she couldn't even take care of her own kids. And she's taking care of these. Uh, Sylvie had a line where she said in the movie, she said, she sacrificed me to protect her children and sacrificed them to protect herself. That's exactly what she did. Yeah. That's exactly what she did. I noticed it was a black bailiff. I wrote black bailiff. Really? Okay. I thought that too. That's the <laughs> only way they can inject a black person in there. Yeah. I'm like, like really? No, a black come bailiff. on. Now. You know that, you know that bailiff was not black. Um, she was sentenced to, or she was found guilty of first degree murder. And she was sentenced to life. That's the crazy thing about 
she she only served 20 years. She was paroled, released on parole in 1985. I think she actually had a second trial. She both did. her yeah, her and Paula. So like they should have been given a change of venue essentially and since they weren't, that's why they were able to be retried. They were both found guilty again, I guess. Um, but whatever. She said that their parents went back on a roll. They actually eventually ended up getting divorced. So I mean how I don't know how you could like not before even divorcing, they left Ginny with the the DA. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. You didn't learn their lesson. You're yeah, I forgot this. Your kids with strangers. Yes, he's mm. fighting for you, but at the same time, you don't know who he is as a person. I read that when the mother died, she died in 1998 at the age of 71. She had like a suitcase full of like letters and pictures and all that stuff from like Sylvia. You know, I think that that's something that clearly haunted her for the rest of her life. She never forgot that. But there was like other things, like differences that I got noticed between them. You know, they had to leave things out. Like they also had, like we mentioned Diana. Diana wasn't in the actual movie. They might've mentioned her, but they also had two boys and those boys went to live with their grandparents. I also, I forgot to mention that Shirley, she used like an iron poker to burn the letter S into Sylvia's chest. Did you read about that too? I did, but it she did it incorrectly and it came out. And number three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Upside down. I also wrote that. Remember when um uh Sylvia spread that rumor that they were prostitutes? Stephanie had punched her, and then Coy retaliated by banging her head against the wall, right? And flipping her backwards against what the hell? First she of wasn't all, even like a person to these people. Like she wasn't even human. Um, but they only did how many years did they do? Like these people did barely 20. did any time. Paula did seven. She was sentenced, I believe, it's like two to twenty-one years, and she only Paula did seven. Years. Yeah. Gertrude was sentenced to life, and she only did 20. Paula was sentenced to 2 to 21 years. You Do you know she tried to break out of prison? Yeah, yeah, Paula. She worked, She did it twice, I heard. She tried but to she, break out. She, she was she still, in 1971, and I wrote that she was she was still paroled in 72, and then she yeah. was completely free and clear by 1974. Right. Did you read that she actually was found out to be working as like some sort of aide to like a counselor at a school? Right, like, it was after the movie came out. It, it wasn't until 2012 that it was discovered because she right. had changed her name she to like Paula Pace. Name. Yeah, she, that's crazy. She what else happened to name. these people? The movie came out and they found out that Paula was the Paula from the movie, and they ended up firing her for providing false information. But you know, they mm. fired her because she was a mean she's a, person. She's a mo- <laughs> mean. She's a monster. She's a monster. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie, she all, she, um, she, she was in the with- school system too. Yeah, she's a teacher. <laughs> but the thing is, she didn't, she didn't change her last name. And I guess she didn't have to because she wasn't convicted. But she also got married and, she, you know, so she probably took her husband's last name. She was married and she had children. That's the thing. A lot of these people, they just got to live their regular lives, the life that Sylvia never got. Um, some of them, they had tragic and, oh, well. Um, Coy, Coy Hubbard, he never changed his name. Like He stayed basically in the same place, never changed his name. And around the time that the movie um, came out, you know, obviously they used his name in the movie. He ended up being fired from his job. Before that, charged with... Another murder, but he ended up. Oh, yes, yes, you're right, you're right. But he was um, acquitted. Acquitted, yeah. He died in 2007 of a heart attack. Ricky Hobbs, he he served two years. Yeah. And he died of a, he died of uh, lung cancer at the age of 21 in 1972. I have Marie, she died of natural causes. 
at the age of 62 in, in 2017. Uh, Kenny, I mean, his actual name was Dennis, the little boy in the movie. He ended up being adopted. Right. Uh, and he, yeah, he died in 2012 at the age of 47. John Jr., he found religion and he died of uh, diabetes in 2005 at the age of 52. And Jenny, she ended up getting married, um, but she this haunted her for the rest of her life, as you can imagine. And in 2004, she died of a heart attack at the age of 54. Before that, when she learned that Gertrude had died, she uh, got that obituary. She clipped it, sent it to her mom, Mm -hmm. saying something along the lines of, old Gertrude is dead. Ha ha ha. (laughs) Yeah, I read that too. Good for her. She's in hell now. Not Jenny. Gertrude. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned it earlier. Lester and Lester Likens and Betty, they divorced. He died in 2013. And in unrelated ironic news. I can't remember what year it was. Um, it was a few years ago. But Diana, she wasn't in this movie, but she's the older sister that we mentioned earlier. But she, the husband that she was married to, her and her husband, they got lost and stranded. Did you read about that? Yeah, in California. Yeah, they got lost and stranded in the middle of the woods. And all they had was rainwater, some pie, some oranges. And they were basically stuck there for like two weeks. And her husband ended up dying of a heart attack. A lot of people in this in this whole tragic story died of like heart attacks or cancer. There's a right. lot of heart attacks here. This is like everybody in this thing was like cursed. Everyone else, even though they died, they died older than 16. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So the only person that was cursed was Sylvia. We also never mentioned that like another thing that wasn't in the story is that so um Gertrude has Sylvia write a letter to her parents. Did you read that? Where she had Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she dictated. Yeah, she did. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Likens. Like, why would she start a letter like that? Because she's stupid. And she basically said in the letter that she went with a group of boys and had sex for money and that they branded her. So she was trying to put the branding situation on these, you know. The entire situation. Yeah. On the imaginary boys. I mean, there's a lot of other things. We didn't mention, like, she was forced to eat her own feces. Drink her, her urine. Feces, the baby's feces. There was a there was a um, a mention that said uh, they rubbed the baby's diaper in her face and made her eat it and drink a cup of water afterwards. It was it was bad. It was disgusting. It was horrible. It's a shame. Also, the baby that Paula was pregnant with, she named Gertrude. I guess as a show of solidarity or something like that. But thankfully, that baby was a eventually adopted. Yeah. I don't know if you have any final thoughts. Um, on the movie, on the events, anything you want to add? Sad all around. Like we said before, this tragedy could have been prevented. So many people could have spoken up. Hell, Sylvia could have spoken up. But I, I, I get that, you know, they, I guess they just weren't trained or taught that if you tell someone, someone will help you, you know? So they just dealt with that ordeal in silence pretty much. Yeah, like some people, like, I don't want to put that on Sylvia, like, you know, blame the victim because. I don't know. That might, maybe she feared that if she didn't take it, the brunt of it, then it would be turned on Jenny. Because she seemed like she was very protective of her sister. And I feel like Jenny also felt the same way. She, imagine witnessing that. She didn't want to be the person that, that was inflicted upon herself. I just hope that after, like, that's, I guess that's the only lesson to be learned is that if you see exactly. something, exactly. if you uh, suspect something, it's better to be wrong than to be right and not do anything. Then speak up. Say something. You could potentially save somebody's life. This movie was a doozy. (laughs) It was really hard to watch and it was really sad. It's like, this is something that it was just, it was gut-wrenching to me. I agree. 
it was gut-wrenching. Like even just not just watching it, but just reading all the things that we didn't see. That's something that will sit with me for forever. So I understand why they call it the worst crime in Indiana history to be fi- inflicted upon an individual or person or what have you. I get it because it was just it was not just one person doing it. It was dozens upon dozens of people who knew that this was happening. There were dozens of people who turned a blind eye, who didn't do anything. There, there had to be teachers who knew that she was not coming to school. There had to be so many people, and everybody her everybody failed her. So like I just. I hope that that's a lesson to people. That's what I have to take away from that. All right. Thank you again for joining us for this first episode. We're so happy to have you. Um, The sources that we used were the movie American Crime, Wikipedia, Indianapolis Monthly, The Indie Star, Murderpedia, and YouTube. If you want to get in touch with us to suggest any movies, uh, reach out to us on Black Girls Talk Podcast at Gmail. We're also on Instagram at Black Girls Talk Podcast and on Twitter at Black Girls Pod. Say bye, Alex. Bye, Alex. Bye, Alex.